What's up, everyone? My name is Tebs, and thanks so much for checking out the Superpower Podcast. This podcast was created to celebrate young African women who are excelling in their business, careers, and lives. We want to salute you and give you flowers while you can still smell them. Every week, we will be profiling a boss babe and finding out from them how they have harnessed their superpower and what more we can expect from them. So stay tuned and make sure to subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all our social media pages at Superpower Podcast. Leave us a review and even drop a voice note on our channel shouting out ladies who are inspirational to you. The official hashtag for anything on this podcast is hashtag Superpower Podcast. Enjoy. Today's guest on the Superpower Podcast is Nono Sokoto, who is a commercial farmer and a leader in the National Farmers Association, AFASA. As an award-winning activist advocating for youth empowerment in agriculture, Nono has engaged on platforms such as the United Nations, European Donor and Finance Platform, and the World Farmers Organization, to name a few. She also founded her own farming project, Growth Shoot, which runs one of the biggest rabbit production operations in South Africa. In today's interview, she schools me on what it really takes to be a farmer and what her big audacious goals are for youth and farming in South Africa. She leverages her corporate financial background together with her astute entrepreneurial skills to distinguish herself as a new breed of future agriculturists in the development space nationally and globally. Enjoy. Hi Nono, how are you? Hi, Dewoko. I'm also fine. How are you? I'm good. You know, when I was thinking about who I can feature on this podcast, you are like top of my list. So I'm so glad that you accepted the invite. No, thanks. I'm happy to be here. And thanks for thinking of me at the top of the list. (laughs) Of course, of course. Okay, so, no, no, I actually want to take you back because I think you have such an interesting career career. and you've 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 done like a lot in a very short space of time. Um, and I want to know um, when you were like in high school, like 17, 18 year old, no, no. And you were thinking about what are the things that you want to do? Um, you know, what what were some of the things that you were thinking of? Did you want to be in corporate? Did you want to be an entrepreneur? Like what informed those decisions? When I was 17, I was not thinking about work. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't child. I wasn't thinking about you know what I was gonna. Do. I was just thinking I was gonna be happy. That was always just what I was about. But like seriously, I was never really like an academic. You know, I just did what needed to be done, and yeah, that's okay. what I really was. So uh, <laughs> you could say I was a little bit naughty. I just wanted fun stuff. That was really what I was about. <laughs> Okay, so fun stuff. What was then considered fun? Because you then had to do yeah. something after school, right? Sure. So fun was being with friends and meeting new people. That was always a big thing for me. So when I did go to university, I then had to think about, okay, what can I do? And what sounds fun? What sounds fun and interesting? And I actually started in engineering. What? <laughs> <I mean, laughs> engineering is fun and exciting? Let me tell you why. I had, my idea was 
to um, get into computer electronics. Like my, th- I thought I was going to make like little like um, uh, el- electronical things, like maybe like animation and, and that type of stuff. That sounded like, ah. you know what I mean? So there was duck drawing. So it was actually a, a, a merged um, uh, course when I got to Rao. I was in Rao my first first year. And they had ah. a new course they were trying, which was engineering and computer science merged together. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's me. I it really sounded great until we had to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I did. I did. I did try it. I attempted it. And but to be quite honest, um, in my first year, I was about fun and friends, and that took priority. And to, and the work was just too much for that. You know, I had to. I had to choose either friends. Yeah. Or work, and I chose friends in my first year. So that I think, was I think we all we all chose friends. I yeah. don't know any first year unless they're like super focused. But I also remember myself. Um, I was a mess. Yes, exactly. and it is like independence and you know meeting so many people. Oh, that seems yeah. more interesting than sitting through um, oh, a boring okay. lecture. And our classes <laughs> started at seven in the morning, seven thirty, and ended at one of those courses, like on Monday. Wednesday and Fridays, we had 7 a.m. and till 7 p.m. <laughs> it was Yo, ridiculous. I, I would have never made that 7 a.m. class. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, there you have it. That's how that was my introduction into university. <laughs> okay, but 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 you didn't then stay in engineering. Um, no, I pivoted. Didn't. I did. Yes. So, so to be quite honest, I think I had to look within myself and to uh, to firstly identify the, the the skills and the capacity that I had first and I knew what I was good at was um accounting I was really good at mm. accounting, but I didn't do it because I thought it was boring <laughs> mm. but eventually I thought I thought to myself you know what I need to finish university and so I need to do the right thing and so I, that's how I enrolled into accounting. It was a financial accounting at Pretoria University. And I literally, like I just screamed through it. It was, it was a good, <laughs> I should have started there. <laughs> oh, my word. So, okay, yeah. so, so you, you're creaming through accounting and then you're done, right? Um, what did your career prospects then look like? Because now you're doing yeah. accounting and tax and yeah. you know, all the fun stuff. So I did all of that fun stuff, but then I knew that's not the fun stuff I wanted to do for the rest of my life <laughs> still. Okay. So I, I actually went to then thought, stop broking. That's, that's how I got into the financial world. I actually ah. went, I thought stop broking looked very interesting. You know, we'd seen it on TV. We didn't really know how to, we didn't know how to, like where to study it at school. I don't remember anyone studying for stuff. Yeah. Broking. And um, by chance, when I was, um, I was doing like, uh, what's this, uh, like, spare time work when I was at my last year I used to be uh, a waiter and I met one of my clients was like geez you you seem like you're good at what you do I'm like what I do he's like yeah you, you you could be a good salesperson and I was like oh really he's like you should come work at our firm and I was like what firm is that it's like wait wait is this in a restaurant like what were you doing restaurant. that like made this person think <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> he was just like, you will be good to come work at our firm. And I was like, what firm is this? He's like, PSG Consults. 
Ah. And I was like, what is that? And it's like, we do stockbroking, financial advice. I was like, hey, I want to be in stockbroking. I just don't know how to get in there. He's like, well, yeah, for us. <laughs> That's how I got my sure. first job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Literally being a, yeah. wow. Yeah. Literally. People should so, spend more time at restaurants. Really. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and with that, and then, but the interesting thing about it is I, I knew nothing about stockbroking, right? So what I did in my last year, I was an intern. They, they used to, you know, let me come in during holidays uh, to come and figure out and learn. And within that, that, that year, I realized there's no ways I was going to be a stockbroker. I'm not going to be sitting in front of the computer the whole day looking at numbers. And it just didn't seem as exciting as I thought it was. I thought, what do you mean? So you you wanted to do the stockbroking thing. You just yes. don't know how to get into it. And yes. now when you get the opportunity to, you're just like, uh-uh, this but is not what I signed but up that's for. The, that's the cool thing about interning right? You really get to go see what happens on a day-to-day basis because half True. the time the careers we know, we have just like these thoughts or what we see on TV. Half of the time, it's not that. It's, <laughs> well, it, really, <laughs> it really is never that actually. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So for me, my internship was like spot on because I was just like, no guys, I can't be sitting. And I told those guys, I said, no guys, this is not what I can do. Is there anything else? And they were like, yeah. well, what about being a financial advisor? And I was like, what is that? And then, <laughs> and the two things that actually got me interested in that was because I could get out there. I was, it was a sales, sales job, right? So you go out yes. and you actually go communicate with, with new clients, with people. And that to me was like, that's the one. I need to be sitting ah. in front of people, hanging out with people, moving around. I'm not staying in the office the whole day. So that's what got me. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Okay. So that's why I got So it. you're just like, yeah, yeah, no, I can't be sitting behind a desk, no. staring at a screen. Yes. Definitely not my vibe. Okay. Yes. And now you're like a financial advisor, I'm assuming, selling their products? We, how did it work? So it was, we're, we're selling, so PSG is their advisors, and then we sell products from all, all like businesses. So all the financial services. So they've, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's insurance, it's investments, retirement um disability all of those so risk okay and that's the yeah so that's where I started my career and it was and and for me I think the most exciting thing about it was learning all this stuff first of all like understanding how mm. the stock market works and how you know unit trust and when I used to tell people people didn't know I was so fascinated people still don't know people okay don't know. <laughs> I know it's actually very scary that like it's a lot of people still don't, don't have access to that information I yeah know. or just so, don't understand it they don't yeah. understand it and and the thing is but what what was the coolest thing about it and that's when I realized that this job was definitely for me is that I could explain it to people so that they were like what that's been happening the whole time like that's that's simple so I could and that's I think the skill that I developed in being in that space was that for me finance as much as it it made sense to me the most special part about it is how I could tell the next person how it made sense even though they were not financial people I could really get people really really valued that and so it just it just felt good you know it felt like yeah I'm doing something meaningful with my time (laughs) I really enjoyed I enjoyed it and and what I thought was also interesting is that it's quite an entrepreneurial space because I was Mm. you earn commission you you're literally working on your own time 
and um, you kind of your your own boss even within an office, you know. So you will literally so yeah. that to me works. So really so you telling me there's no basic? You know, South Africans we we like to have a basic <laughs> no there was salary. <laughs> okay, there was there was when we started because it started like on a graduate program. So they gave us like you know a little stipend to and, okay. and then obviously you had to obviously work towards getting rid of the stipend so that you can have a a, a base of your own because what you do is yeah when you de- develop clients of course you then build up your own like basic right and then obviously you'll have those big amounts um, as you go along uh, on an ad hoc okay. basis yeah so for me it was and and i think the most interesting thing about it as well was because i started in a, such a difficult space you know when you're earning commission and stuff it's difficult yeah it's very, tough yeah it's literally being an entrepreneur right and that allowed me to also and knowing like how financial financial world worked and how credit cards worked i was i had no debt and everybody i met had <clears throat> had all this debt and like that we're trying to manage investments and I was just like how are people getting into debt and then <laughs> just as you realize that it's 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 literally because of the knowledge right that we have about yeah. around, around what these products actually mean and what they're doing what you're doing to yourself when you're getting into them so early that kind of like trapping yourself really so sure. those were the learnings that I had from from that time so and eventually I, I joined Investec Yes, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, so you didn't just stay there, no, you I still didn't. carried on. And were you doing the same thing as what you were doing at PSG at Investec? Yeah. So in Investec, I then focused on investments. So I wasn't doing risk anymore. So okay. I was focusing on investments and we were in the wealth management department. I had then stud- studied uh, my uh, certified financial planning. So estate mm. planning and all of that. So wealth management was kind of where I was working in. But exactly as I said, it was more investments. Um, okay. And these investments, are they like for companies? Mm. Are they for individuals? Like who were you yeah, looking after? So we after? were looking after in individuals. It was individuals, okay. yeah. Because if you're an investor, it's a uh, uh, high, high, high. <laughs> <laughs> high, high. I'm like, I, I know a few people with investor, and uh, I don't know if they're high, high net worth, you know? Yeah, well, in our department, trust me, they were very high. <laughs> what What is actually considered um, a high net worth? Like, when are you considered to be high, high net, net worth? worth? Yeah, so it was interesting because, I mean, with investor, it depends. Obviously, you have the bank, right? So the bank yeah. uh, will give you like, you obviously have those that starts with like salaries of a million, you know, so that's kind of like, and then anyone below is already like graduate or those that are yes. like youngsters, you know, because you know that they see CAs, so they obviously are going to progress, right? But like, for instance, I don't know about it being obvious, but okay, (laughs) that's kind of the view they take, right? So the certain you start at a certain level, so you can assume, you know, they should be agreed. um, Yeah, so kind of like that. So they so they had very targeted. um, Anybody under under a million was very targeted professional wise. Other than that, okay. if you had a million, you can open like a bank account, you know, if you're a million. Yes. Million. Now that's bank. And then we were, as I said, in the wealth division, it was more about those who had uh, funds like cash that is just sitting somewhere. And so we were looking, hmm. I mean, my one, my one year I had a target of getting like a hundred million rands worth of investment. What? <laughs> I must are you saying South in. Africans are sitting with like a hundred million and that was just your specific so that's target? Portfolio. Yeah, but that means I'll have a few clients, of course, under there. I can have as many clients, right? It's not one client. A hundred million would not yes. be for one client. So, but I'm telling you, like we would have clients that would have 30, 40, 
40 million. Um, and, you know, and then you literally put in together portfolios for them, <laughs> like how they should invest this money here. This one is for preserving it. You know, this one is for your income generation. This one, oh my gosh, it was like, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it's going to take me a while before I get that call from it. Yeah. <laughs> in the wealth department. <laughs> Yeah, it will be no one's right. called me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now you're at Investec and you're in the wealth division and you're yeah. dealing with all these high net worth individuals. Mm. Um, and then you you pivot like completely out of accounting and wealth and financial services into farming. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, I mean, what was happening for you to even like you know change? Completely, because that's a huge change. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that is that obviously I didn't plan for that. That's the re- re- really, I didn't plan for that. I never knew I was going to be yeah. in culture. It was never anywhere in my radar. But my father had bought a farm and he was, he had retired from his, uh, the, the job that he was in then and he disinvested out of that and invested into a farm. And so he started nagging me to come and like support him with like finances, right? That's something basic, you know, because obviously I had the skill. Come, oh, come yeah, you had the skill. Come help, just come help me, man. I need someone just to look at my finances. That's how it started. And then I was so just, wait. So are you saying your your dad had 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 a farm and he wanted you to come to join come, him? Yes, that's how I. That was my okay. introduction. So we would. So we had. I mean, when we went to the farm, I would literally just get there and sit in the house. I never went outside. I never, I don't even think, I, I don't remember seeing the animals when I used to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> this is before you, you decided to. <laughs> so when we were going there, it was just a weekend, like, ah, oh, dad, you and your farm. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> and what was on the farm? So I know you, you wouldn't like go out and check what, what was out there. Yeah, but, okay. You I know, did check it yeah. <laughs> Not a lot. So, <laughs> And so at the time, um, so it's 2,000 hectares of land. And mostly... Jeez, that's a lot. Grazing. I mean, when, yeah, that, yes, that's, it's a, it's that's a huge because a hectare is like already big by itself. Yeah. Yes, they are, it's big. But most of it is for grazing. So there's beef production. So cattle farming is the main source of business on that farm. Because it's dry... You need a vast amount of land to be able to get the, um, like to have enough feed for the cattle. Because cattle are big, they need a lot. So that's the reason why. So in that region, that's kind of how it works. You have lots more. But if we were farming on the same number of cattle and I was in uh, KZN, for instance, I wouldn't need as much land. So, yeah, that's how it works. And how how many cattle... How many cattle are we talking about here? Like how, yeah, because you're saying. Yeah, so, okay, so the carrying capacity, yeah. so the carry, carrying capacity is about 600. And we, at Jeez. the time, we've, we've gone to about as, over the years, obviously, we've gone up and down. We've gone up, we've never gone more than 500. Um, so, we've, okay. uh, yeah, we've had all that, yeah, we've es- escalated from. When I arrived that time, I think that we had about three, 300. And then, so that was that the beef production. Then we also had a dairy. My dad, when he got onto that farm, he established the dairy, and we were supplying milk to Woolies at the time. So that was a really big uh, food for my father. Yeah, we were doing Asher, Asher. You know the Asher brand. So we were yes. we had Asher cows. Yeah, we were like we were no like the way. Only black. Yeah, the only black supplier for for a while. I think before we left, there was another supplier who came in, a black supplier. But other than that, yeah. 
That's very interesting. <laughs> that so is, dairy. wow. Yeah. So we did a dairy and then we also have an apple orchard. Um, it's quite small. It's about four hectares. Um, and we have three types of apples on there. We have uh, uh, Granny Smith, which is the green one. And most the, the ones we like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the most popular in the country is called um, uh, um, Royal Gala. So the Royal Gala is yellow yes. with red stripes. Very sweet. Yeah. So, so that's what we had a majority of our, yeah, of our, um, our, our, what's it, orchard was that. And then we had um, top reds, which is the red ones. I really don't like them. Just plain red and I don't like them. But that's what we have. So that's a big, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so those are the apples we had. And then we also planted sunflower and maize on about 700 hectares of land. Um, and then my father sure. at the time, we had sheep as well. So because what happens is, you know, when you've got cattle, it's good to have sheep because cattle can eat so much, right? And then uh, yeah. they leave the most of the f- – they don't eat right up until the end. Then the sheep come after and they eat the little bits that are kind of left over. So it's always – it's always kind of works. Ah, so it actually works. Okay, makes sense yeah, to have both of yeah. them there. Okay, yes. so then since you said you used to go to the farm and you'd never really go check it out, what then changed your mind to then say, hey, yeah. I'm going to join you and do this? Yeah. So, and I, you know, as when I was at Investec, um, I was enjoying myself. I'd learned a lot, as I said. And what I also liked about it was also the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I did my own thing. And I was very, um, you know, and also I'm very, like, I take initiative and, 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 and I like that. But I felt like I wasn't supported enough once I started, because when I arrived, I came as a support uh, structure, right, to come and assist the other wealth mm. managers so I can learn as well how they do stuff, which is great. I, don't get me wrong. But then when it was my turn to be a wealth manager, oh, my God. I just felt I was not getting the support I needed. I, I, I was just like begging for help. And at the end, I was like, I don't understand. Why am I asking you to help me to get you money? I don't understand how this works. Hang on. And then obviously my father was nagging. And I guess in the last six months I was there, I actually made a call. I said, you know what, Dad, give me this six months. I'm going to give it my last shot. And if I don't get it right with these guys, I'm coming. Because I think yeah. I can give you know, you'll value me more than these people are here, and that was really the yeah. And that's how it came out. I eventually just felt like uh, I don't think like these people really value what it is that I have to offer. You know, all the initiatives that I had put forward, um, just to them clearly wasn't wasn't enough, or weren't interested, or whatever the case. But I was not I was not happy yeah. about that, and that was really it. Okay. So I said, you know what? Let me go see what value I can give to my my dad uh and i know he would he'll take care of me um and he promised <laughs> to take care of me and pay my salary <laughs> so, um, oh so yeah. he, he already said he enticed you and said don't worry yes. i got you yeah yes no it was a proper arrangement you i was there to work i wasn't there to be a daughter and so and ah. that's why i stayed there for as long as i did because no matter what would happen you know i had a salary at the end of the year so as at the end of the day at the end of the month and a lot of times that was something that was very different to all the other entrepreneurs i met right 
I was in a space where I was the one trying out things, doing new things as an entrepreneur. Yeah. But I really had a guaranteed salary. So it didn't matter what was happening. My dad would make sure I was paid. So I was I was still employed. Um, okay. But I guess, yeah, I was employed. That's how I see it. But but because of the 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 freedom I had. You could say I was a, I was an entrepreneur, you know, because I literally yeah. could. I was the okay, one. Okay, but who- now you you being being now like working on the farm, like it means you're not in the city anymore. You know, you're you're yeah. on the farm. You have to physically be there. I'm assuming, right? Um, yes. How was that change for you as well? Yeah, even though you're like yeah. with your dad, because I'm assuming yeah. the rest of your family also wasn't living That's on the, the farm, farm with yeah. you guys. That's yeah. True. So to be quite honest, you know, I literally was really open-minded about it. I actually, even till today, I've been so surprised because I got on the farm and for some reason, I just got into it. Like I was, I just wanted to learn. And because I knew nothing about farming, I mean, I had no, no, no background whatsoever. I mean, there were workers there and I decided, you know what, my best shot is just to be friends with these people because <laughs> they're the ones that are going to tell me <laughs> like, what's happening. <laughs> And that's what yeah. I did. I yeah, you definitely need a buy-in. Exactly. And I also, like, I would go in, because I also needed to understand, because my dad hadn't really set, like, proper systems of ordering. People would just, like, send instructions of what they need. It was just haphazard, you know? And my dad was hiring mm. people left, right, and center. <laughs> there was a lot of people. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So every day I would I would dedicate time every day to be with a different team because as you can hear there was a lot happening right so be with the team yeah. go see what they do I mean I used to remember every Friday I was with the sheep and we had like two thousand sheep and we would count one by one sheep every day the one thing you do is count your animals like that's what you do so every day like the babies. <laughs> So we'd be out in the field and then moving them from one camp to another, making sure there's water, understanding what's happening with their water systems. If they if, if they're broken, I must now yeah. write that because I must find money for that, you know. So, and that's how it is. You, I literally every day was just an adventure like that. Okay, it's dairy time. Okay, today I'm waking up at four like everybody else, so I can go check out the dairy people, you know. So I'd have random checks wow. like that. And I'd stand there, watch the, the the dairy, and I'll be freezing, and I'll be like counting with them and looking at the amount of liters. Oh my word! Checking, checking the quality of milk because that also talked about you know the the quality of milk also determined our price. Our price was not set. If the quality of milk was not mm-hmm. good, your price would go down. If you have too much milk when we are anticipating low milk at that season, you it goes you know your price goes down. So there was. All these things I had to figure out about what was happening. Feeding. Don't feed too much. How much feed do I have left? I have to budget. End of the month, you must make sure, you know, there's feed. You know, all these things. It was really, really interesting. And then even, like, understanding all the equipment we had to do all the planting. Oh, my gosh. Did we repair Oh my gosh. So oh we, my bought, word. we bought an existing business, right? So nothing was shiny and new. Everything still had ah, a lot of okay. yeah. maintenance. That's a whole new game. Like that you didn't even know about. You know, so it was really interesting. Then the apple, the apples, we have three se- the season comes, the apple season, like uh, harvest and picking between January yeah. and March. The rest of the year, we're working in the orchard. So you're paying people, hoping that, you know, the apples next year are going to come. And oh, that when up. you guys, yes. 
Oh my word. Yeah. yeah. So it, it yeah. literally is a waiting game because you're just yes. hoping that by the time yes. season that these things are there. <laughs> they're coming on their right size. There's a lot of them. They taste good. Yeah. There's quality measures. Oh my God. It just goes on. There's rain. <laughs> Oh so my it's word! It, it was really yeah. Really, that sounds me, hectic. And then there's also people management, right? So I mean, as, as you know, an entrepreneur, as, on top of all of those things, you still need to make sure you're managing your people. You know, people's expectations. And the one thing I made, I I I did with with our people was, <clears throat> I got to make them to get them to understand how, how financials work. You know, our financial reporting. That's something I I, I taught them, and every year. When the reports were, were, financial reports were out, we'll have a day when we're now talking about the report so they can understand why there's no bonus. Because a lot of times, like, you know, when you're working with people who are not really educated, you just tell them stuff and and you just expect them to just know. And they just accept it, yeah. Yes, it was important for them to understand what I mean when I shout at you for using too much diesel when you're going back and forth to the town to go get stuff. When I tell you that I need you to make sure that we're going once a week and everybody puts all their orders and we all go once a week, you can see that's why we've used so much diesel this year. <laughs> you know, so all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So make them understand how your little everyday work contributes to all of this. And we all want profit, you know. We all want bonuses at the end of the year. So it was just an, it was an, sure. it was a really amazing experience. That- really had fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then I know that you also then, um, after having worked on, on the farm with your dad and the cattle farming and everything, you decided to do your own thing, you know. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about um, your own venture into farming? Yeah. So so interesting enough. So what what happens is, you know, as every, any farmer will know, especially a new farmer, the first thing you always want to do is also get help. You know, because you don't know everything. You don't have access to to the whole, like, system. Like, where do you get funding? Where do you get more markets? Where yeah. do you learn? You know, yeah. and, and we were also in that space to try to find out. And that's when I, you know, got introduced to AFASA, which is African Farmers Association of South Africa. And so they look okay. after emerging farmers, right? And so we were, like, so excited with my dad. And we were like, oh, these guys are going to help us. Da, da, da. And then we get there, we realize, oh, they're just as new as we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're all gonna have to figure this out all together and all so, together yeah and me being who I am I was just like I'm not gonna wait for these people to figure themselves out I need to jump in there where do I you know where do I put my hands what do I do I put my hand up and started like saying okay where are the other youngsters who are doing what I'm doing Exactly. And with, with that, I then started just, you know, showing initiative of finding out information and just gathering um, other farmers and young farmers and trying to understand what they're struggling with. And then Afasa, you know, obviously were very impressed with my, with, with my initiative. And then they invited me to sit on the board. And when I sat on the board, I was, uh, uh, it was a national executive council and I was the youth representative. And so I had to start the Afasa youth portfolio. Mm-hmm. And with that... I then truly understood what was the issue for young people coming into the sector, the issues we had, and how it is we could we could actually, you know, kind of, what help we needed. Like, I figured it out yeah. because I had firsthand experience and I knew so many others with the sa- similar and other other uh, uh, challenges. And so when I developed my business, Growth Shoot, 
I then realized um, AFASA is a um, AFASA is a voluntary uh, uh, position, right? You volunteer, okay. and, and so you don't get paid. And in my thoughts, I said, "Oof, how am I going to ma- manage all this work the whole yeah. time?" paid and, and then it's I said, voluntary yeah exactly I said to them you know what this is actually very good for me that I'm doing all of this work I'm getting uh, uh, connections with the business you know to the, the industry I am getting my name out there and it's very interesting but in terms of getting money when I secure funds for this project I'm going to make commission and I will make it okay. my business. So my business will be kind of consulting, right, to Afasa. Ah, and that's okay. So a lot of the work that I did around there was about that. And then I realized I also needed to start a farm, I mean, a farm project, like a, a business, and, and start a model that I could share with other youth to say, if you are going to start a business, these are the things you really need to make sure are in place. Otherwise, we're all wasting our time. And that's when I came up with the Rabbit Project. To kind of yes. and yes, the rabbit, the rabbit project do, was really around that. Do South Africans eat rabbits when you when you decided to do this rabbit project? Because I'm like, who's your who's the ultimate consumer? Because I've gone to Woolies, I don't think I've seen rabbits in their stores. You know, no, not yet, not not yet. But there are stores like Checkers has some Checkers has some uh, spas have some deli, some restaurants. So, of course, it's not like prevalent in South Africa, um, but okay. there's a huge export market, like huge export market. So, so that's when I did, when I was doing my research, I realized that there was the opportunity. The other opportunity was also in introducing it to South Africa. So, I mean, currently, yeah. my rabbit production is, you know, it's small in comparison to like, you know, world stages. But in South Africa, I'm one of the big rabbit farmers, <laughs> Um, so, but the market part, yeah. we've still got a lot of we've still got a lot of work to kind of make it um, um, viable, I guess, and also accessible to uh, a bigger market. But it's definitely there's a lot of work being done. There's a there's about a couple of I mean the, the number of farmers maybe you can say just under a hundred across the country, maybe even a little bit more who are smaller. Okay. Um, and, um, so yeah, so the industry is very, very small. So, but I, I really, really believe there's a lot of potential because it's so easy to farm with rabbits. Um, and so the project so as I said, the project, when I thought about it was, was, um, um, how, what businesses can we provide for, um, uh, young, young farmers who are on farms working with their families? Because most of the time you don't have your own farm, right? As a young person. Yes. And but the struggle is most of them, even though when they do work on the farms with their families, very motivated. Their families can't afford to pay them, you know. So that was something that mm. I realized. That the only reason I've been with my fa- father for the longest because he could, he could pay me, but not most yeah. families. And so that's when I thought something like having a rabbit farm or a rabbit project on the farm will allow these uh, youngsters to have a, their own business and still be able to help. You know, around the farm. Ah, I get you. Okay, because you're still on the farm. Okay, okay. But your income is so important because that's why that's why kids leave farms or leave the rural areas so that they can go get an income. Yeah, that's so true. And okay, so now you you've got this rabbit 
farm um, project that you're doing. Um, what was that like? So what's the reality of actually being in a farm and starting a business and being yeah. like a full-time farmer? Because I can imagine, I can only imagine like you're already like so prone to like the elements and what happens yeah. in your environment. Like what was your yeah. experience with um, your rabbit farming project? Yeah. So, so to be quite honest, the biggest challenge I had was accessing funding. I mean, trying to start the project. I mean, just starting. I mean, I get, and over the years, I've had lots and lots of people reaching out to me, needing all sorts of help. But funding has always been the biggest one. We didn't know it would take this long for them to grow. Oh, my gosh, they need to start mating. <laughs> you know, and I guess like that's always the thing that I always tell everyone, especially when they want to start. It's like the best learning is going to be when you're actually in it and doing it. So even if you start yeah. small, just so that you can see what happens and try to understand what's happening so that when you do go and find money, you can tell somebody that you know. And that's what people what often doing. funders want to, yeah, funders just want to be sure that you know what you're doing, or at least you have made an effort to learn or know. Um, okay, so, so were you like um, running your, like you were still on the farm, like working with your dad and also doing this rabbit project like simultaneously? Yeah, rabbit project was on the farm. So just another um, farming enterprise, right, that we just handled. Um, we we got rid of the dairy a couple of years ago. So we, we obviously didn't have that. And then the sheep as yeah. well. Um, so eventually we just figured out that like, you know what, a lot of these things, are very scientific based you know we think like oh it's all passion no these are serious businesses that require yeah. very, like a, a precision in a lot of things like you have to make sure that you're investing the right amount of money which is a lot most of the time so that you can get the outcome mm. you want and getting yeah. the outcomes that you want has got so many dynamics as you said the elements which you have no control over then there's also like the fact that a lot of the times these are real life things these are i mean a, a tree is a real life thing it's, it has its own way of doing things and if you don't yeah. do it it's the same with a cow it's the same with a sheep they actually are living things and they so they're not they're also very unpredictable right so you can learn it's a science to get to learn how you work with them and we unfortunately okay. are not scientists you know so that's that's the reality of things. So it's it's trying to understand which are the simpler ones that you some some are a lot more hands off than others. So sheep okay. are hands on, then cattle. Yeah. Um, dairy very hands on. It's 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 work every single day. You know, every second day the collection of milk comes. You know, so there's a lot happening. So it really you, you really need to understand what are you investing in so that you can get what yeah. you yeah. And that's that to me was is the biggest thing. So it felt like even now when I look at the rabbits, the amount of time and effort that we put in is so so much easier for what we're getting mm. out. So you know, so those are the things. Even even money wise, it's not as such a big stretch as it was with the yeah. So those are the things that we've learned, uh, you know, being on the farm and trying to understand which ones do we do. We can't do them all. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, so what's left on the farm? So you've got your cattle. Cattle. Still, yeah. So we've got cattle where they're planting sunflower and maize. We actually even rent out some of the land because it's quite a lot. Um, okay. And then we've still got the apple orchard. Um, it's, it hasn't been doing well since we've had two. It's been hit by drought twice. So that has really Jeez. damaged the 
trees. Um, since we've been there, I mean, we've been drought twice. Wow. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and people normally have droughts like every seven years or 20 years or whatever. Yeah, and you're just like every other year. <laughs> Yeah, climate change is a real thing. And then um and then also the rabbits. So that's what we have. So those those three. So I know that um um other than the farming, you've also now pivoted again, you know, like the queen of pivots. Um <laughs> you're now involved with the African <laughs> Leadership Academy. Um just tell us like what is it that you're doing there? Um and how did that also mm. happen? You can remember when I mentioned um, the work I did at Alfasa, it was around developing youth in the sector, right? And that has taken me on a whole new journey. Um, So it has allowed me to, as I said, interact more with the the industry to really have the voice of a black young farmer, of the struggles that we're going through, of the support that we actually need, not the one you think we need. Um, So advocating for youth has really been a big part of the work I've been doing in the last five, six years. And, you know, I've traveled overseas. I work with um, uh, um, World Farmers Organization uh, representing uh, FASA as well. And then we've also done some, I've also done some work on the continent. And it's really in that advocacy for youth in agriculture as a whole. And so uh, African Leadership Academy uh, heard about my work. Um, they, They have been um starting a program on uh, unleashing the network and for them that's around um, supporting their young leaders when they are developing their careers so instead of just letting them out there saying oh we've given you the skills we're going to let you fly what we're actually doing is they have made sure that they connect these young leaders to each other in the in in the careers uh, um um, realm as well as to the network that ALA has. So this is friends, organizations, people across the globe that are connected to be able to support these young leaders. I mean, this is from a point of view from when they're in universities, there's there's organizations and people in the countries that they're in that are always there to support them. And then as well oh, wow. as coming back to the continent, which is something is very, you know, we advocate to make sure that they get their skills wherever across the world, coming back home and coming and planting those here, right? Yes. And so the, the whole thing around unleashing the network is around how else can we get deeper into supporting these young leaders when they get into their careers. And so they've pivoted to look at sectors, to focus on different sectors of how do we support them within their sectors. And when they had this thought that obviously agriculture is a big one, it's a big theme, right, on, on the continent. Yeah. And so when they heard about me, they, yeah, they, they, they asked me to come and start their AL for Agribusiness um, network, which focuses on supporting, developing, and connecting uh, young leaders um, to uh, you know, advancing their careers in agriculture across the continent. Wow. So whether they whether they are doing, they're getting into jobs, internships, as well as developing their own businesses. So this is a slap bang in the work that I've been kind of doing. So I'm very that you've excited. been doing. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I, I think you, do, you. I saw something where you describe yourself as an agripreneur, and it just seems like from like grassroots all the way up to even mentorship. That's yes. what you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And 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 what do your future plans look like? Um, you know, are you are you still pretty much like 
in this industry and farming and and looking at developing that as well because you said you you're obviously a big advocate for youth farming um yeah, yeah what does what does your future look like yeah yeah you know over the last two years i've really just like decided that this is definitely where i'm gonna like just grow myself you know in yeah the development of youth in agriculture is a big job it is a big job and across the continent, across the world, I mean, there's so much, uh, um, there's so much work that needs to be done. I actually feel like I need to go even study some more, so I can be a little <laughs> bit more helpful in this specific, specific, you know, theme of really supporting youth in agriculture. Like, I'm really inspired about the 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 work that I've seen that youngsters are doing. I mean, the continent yeah. has just been there's a there's a huge buzz in the industry that it was never there before. You know, with the technology being um, such a pivotal uh, point of um, uh, of advancing agriculture and trying to get people to think differently, trying to face challenges that we have, like you know, climate change is coming. So we really need a different type of person really, who's going to be managing and running and growing agriculture in the future. It's not going to be who we had before. So for me, I just say all the work that I'm going to be doing is always going to be supporting youth in agriculture. So I'm really excited. I think the next chart um, uh, with, you know, with ALA, the work that I'm doing with them is only just starting. I'm literally laying foundations for what I believe will be a, 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 a dynamic network that is going to do a lot of work on this continent. And the next step yeah. is going to be also challenging and working actually and collaborating with governments to really just get that right. Because if we, you know, make all this effort, all this work, especially around food security, if government's not on board, yeah. we're not, not going to see that impact that we really need to see on the continent. And so for me, that's really like my biggest challenge. If I can say that's, I've, I've kind of done one one thing that seems big it would be to change or to affect or to just to get government a little bit serious on how they incorporate youth in agriculture sure that's a big <laughs> huge goal oh my right <laughs> yeah you have certainly gone big <laughs> let's see how big i really get so that's but that's really, really, that's, 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 yeah, if anyone asks me, that's really what I see in my future. So that's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm powering my efforts. That's what I'm going to be studying towards. I'm going to put as much effort as I can into it to see how sure, far it goes. I am super inspired. I told you I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stand here watching on the sidelines, you know? <laughs> okay. So, so no, no, um, at, 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 uh, um, at the superpower podcast, this is a question we ask all our guests. So what do you yes. think your superpower is? My superpower is remembering who I am. No matter where I go, no matter who I'm with, that's my superpower. Yeah. Like I'll never forget who I am, you know? And I feel okay. like a lot of times when we're in situations, we can kind of forget, you know, I just want to be part of, no, not me. I I think I stay true. Yeah, to wanting to fit in. Yeah, yeah, stay yeah. true to yourself. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. We, we we normally don't get that right. So, yeah, yeah. sure. It's a difficult thing, but I think, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I think that's my superpower. I know how to do that. 
pretty well, I think. <laughs> well, thanks, Nono. I mean, sure, you know, like your goal is so big and audacious. It's It's got me thinking like, what's my big and audacious goal? So <laughs> thanks again for um, accepting our invite and coming onto the podcast. No problem. Thanks, Deborah. I enjoyed chatting with you. And yeah, thanks for thinking of me. Hey, you made it to the end of the interview. Thanks so much for listening and hope you learned a thing or two. Please make sure to subscribe, review and leave a voice note for any lady who inspires you. Till next week, have an awesome one. Cheers.